This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. Hello, everyone. My name is Erin Trelor, and I am the host of Raw Beauty Talks. We're taking you behind the highlight reel of the world's biggest influencers and wellness gurus to get a raw glimpse of what beauty, health, and wellness look like in today's world so that you can feel your absolute best in your body and in your life. We're starting this episode off with something a little extra this week, thanks to our incredible partners over at Sage Wellness, who are known for their 100% natural essential oil products. They've listened to the interview and pulled their favorite moment, and this is one that gave all of us chills. Get ready for this week's Sage Moment from our interview with the one and only Arielle Astoria. This is for the dreamers who skip rocks on clouds even when people keep telling them to come down. Yes, this is for the hopeless romantics who are more than open wounds or open books. They are pop-up shops of love, leaving letters in glass bottles and kissing them to shore. Yes, this is for the wild ones, too haunted by rejection to admit that they are wild. You are stampedes of freedom that everyone else is afraid of. You are proof that this world is not in need of any more normal. Yes, this is for the girls searching for beauty in cracked mirrors. There is no wholeness there for the women who are hushed. Do not let them silence the novel streaming from your tongue. Do not let them cage the lioness in your gut. Yes, this is for the women who get told that they are more chaos than human, more storm than functioning, it is okay to choose yourself sometimes. It does not mean that you are selfish. Yes, this is for the pastor's kids who stopped hearing Jesus' voice a long time ago. I dare you, search for him in all the places you know how, and I promise he will meet you there. Yes, this is for the pastors who are more condemnation than love. Your pulpit is not your stomping ground. It is where heaven meets earth and sacred meets human. Yes, this is for the lonely. I know the way it hurts when the stars kiss this side of earth, but please, darling, get up from your floor. There is no life for you there. Yes, this is for the wallflowers, baby. It's time to peel your back up off that wall and dance. Do not be afraid. The way that your feet will take you somewhere new, somewhere new, is not always terrifying. Sometimes it is necessary. Yes, this is for the boys who get told to man up. You are man enough for the men searching for the little boys living inside of them. You will not find him on the bottom of your briefcase. It is okay to go play in the sand sometimes. Yes, this is for the women who are not yet in awe of the way that their being carries life. You are wonder and warrior for the fathers who are not known as half dad and half marathon runner you have held baby in the palm of your hand you are the definition of stay yes this is for the teachers who are wondering why their heart 
heartbeat for change lessened with their paychecks. I heard a poet say once that they will hand you work boots in exchange for your dreams. You tell them instead, stop giving directions to places you've never been. Teach those kids that there is power in the ink of their pen. Yes, this is for the tutus and the Superman capes that we buried, for the words that we have not yet let bloom. This is for the people who are only a smile away from beings. Family for the people who have not yet heard our dimple when we tell them I love you. And this is for time. The way it ebbs and flows around us, daring us to blink, slipping through our fingers like sand. And this is for the way the wave always comes back and the storm always calms. But this one, this right here, this is for you. Your letter in a glass bottle on your shore, open it. I hope you read in big, bold letters, you are enough. Yes, this is for you, and you are enough. Full body goosebumps. I don't know about you, but I, oh, I honestly just, I feel like Ariel, everything that you just said in that piece is what so many of us are feeling. And I'm so excited to dive into a little bit more about your story and um, how you show up in the world. For those of you who are tuning in today on the show, Ariel Astoria is joining us. She broke into the world of competitive spoken word poetry in 2012 and then branched out as a freelance contracted poet in 2015. She has used her background in psychology and theater as a creative bridge between the intellect and creativity, the mind and the heart. Through various aspects of storytelling, through spoken word, event hosting, acting, voiceovers, She uses her motto, words not for the ears, but for the soul, to help pierce the audience's soul and bloom awareness of identity and worthiness. Her words help instill and remind individuals of their value through words. Ariel is the co-author of two self-published collections of poetry, Vagabonds and Zealots, and Write Bloody, Spill Pretty, which can both be found on Amazon.com, and we'll make sure that we link to those in our show notes as well. And in 2016, she released her EP of poetry and music titled Symphony of a Lioness. Ariel, thank you so much for being here today and for sharing that beautiful piece with our audience. Of course. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Why don't we just start at the beginning? Can you tell us a little bit about yourself, where you're from, and how you came upon finding this incredible talent that you have with words and poetry? (laughs) Yeah, I grew up in the Bay Area. And so I'm the oldest of five kids, three sisters and one brother, one baby brother. He's the sweetest. He's not really a baby. He's actually a giant. He's taller than I am (laughs) and he's 13. Um, And so I came from a big family. My dad is a pastor and my mom is also a speaker and a writer as well. And so I come from what I like to say impractical. So I tease my parents a lot, especially my dad, when he tries to ask me why I'm doing what I'm doing sometimes. And I have 
a degree and why am I not using it? I basically blame him and say, you set me up for this. <laughs> you did not give me the option to like do things that were practical or that made money or that made sense. So this is not my fault. <laughs> this is yours. So I grew up in the Bay Area. My parents have always been super open and accepting about how we pursued things, how we dreamed and the things we were passionate about. So I went to an arts high school and that's kind of where everything was really planted. Before the arts high school, I, in seventh grade, I did a play and it was a part of our history project, which was like, okay, this is practical. This makes sense. And we did a rendition of Midsummer's Night's Dream. And at the time, I didn't know this, but my seventh grade history teacher went and told my mom after our performance, she was like, you have to put her in arts. Like you have to put her in something because she has a gift and you have to be able to utilize it and tap into it. So I honestly have Miss Krasinski to thank um, mm, for, yes. for where I'm at because she, yeah, she planted those seeds and she convinced my parents to foster those seeds. And so And now look where you are. You've gone from that stage at school to speaking with so many incredible companies. Blue Lemon, Google, you've done TEDx, like I am that girl, tons of incredible, incredible companies. And the way that I actually found you was through the Somersault campaign, which I don't know if everyone listening, if you've seen this campaign yet, but it's so awesome. The company Somersault has these incredibly talented, beautiful women who are modeling their bathing suits, all different shapes and sizes. The advertisements are in subways around North America, primarily the US. And the campaign went viral, which is how I found Ariel and was was introduced to her work. So these opportunities that are, are showing up are all there for you. And it's so amazing to watch how you are bringing your art and changing people's lives through it. Can you tell me how has spoken word, how has art helped you establish your own identity and worthiness? Because that's something that you talk about a lot in your work. It helped me process what it means to value myself. It helped me process what it means to find value in this body and in these words and in what I had to say. Like I grew up extremely insecure, actually, especially towards my middle school, high school years. I hid a lot. I wore clothes that made me hide. I didn't really talk a whole lot. I had this best friend who kind of was my mouthpiece. If I was hurt, she would be the person to tell someone and I would tell her. And so I didn't grow up really valuing myself or my body. And so I wrote to process those things. I wrote to try and figure out, okay, what is happening in my head? How do I understand the world and the world around me? And how do I understand myself? And so as I started to write poetry, I think what it turned into is I started to write poems that I knew I needed to hear. I started to write words that I wanted to kind of reverse psychology myself (laughs) in Mm. terms of if I can say this to other people, if I can declare other people's value and worthiness and hear that said out loud, then I can claim that over myself as well. And so when I started writing poems and sharing them to people besides my mom, it started 
started with sharing them to my freshman girls when I was a resident advisor and telling them that they are valuable and that they are loved. And I realized in that space what a hypocrite I was because I wasn't believing how valuable and loved I was. And so it became this reworking where it's like, you can't claim this over other people and not believe that over yourself. It doesn't work like that. And so I had to do the work of starting to claim and believe those things over myself. And so when I write poems, I write them first because they're healing for me. And then I share them because I know they will be healing for other people. But my healing comes from putting it down on paper first for myself. And I've, I've written poems that I've cried over because I know they were words that I needed to be washed over. And I truly believe that I'm most times a mouthpiece. And these words are being funneled through me through a greater story. And, and I get to be a part of not only hearing that story and taking in that story, but also sharing that story. And so I used poetry as a way of healing for myself. And then I learned, oh my gosh, this could also be healing for other people because they've told me that it was. And and having people say, you just said everything in my head that I could not say out loud. Like I didn't know how to say it. And to be able to give words to other people's hearts is like the greatest gift I could ever ask for. Fast forward to the end of 2024. Think of your goals for a second. What can you do right now to give yourself the best chance of succeeding? If you want to learn a new language, you absolutely should get Babbel. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that really don't help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversation, and Babbel's tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teachings so you're ready to practice what you learned in the real world. If you're heading to another country anytime soon, start using Babbel a few weeks before you go to learn basics like how to order food, ask for directions, speak to merchants without having to consult language apps while you're away. So fun. Here's a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 55% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash raw beauty talks. Get 55% off at babbel.com slash raw beauty talks. That's spelled B-A-B-B-E-L com slash Rules and restrictions may apply. This episode is brought to you by Lola V, an award-winning hair care line founded by the fabulous Jennifer Aniston. Jen got tired of the same old struggle we all face, choosing between hair products that work and ones that are actually good for us. With Lola V, that dilemma is history. We all put our hair through the ringer. That's why it's crucial to have products that not only repair the look of the damage, but also shield your locks from future harm. Enter Lola V's bestsellers, the Glossing Detangler and the Perfecting Leave-In Conditioner. They're your hair's new best friend. For a limited time, you get 15% off your entire order at lolavie.com. Just use the code RAWBEAUTYTALKS at checkout. Lolavie is all about naturally derived plant-based goodness, no silicone, sulfates, parabens, or gluten, and of course, cruelty-free and vegan. That's 15% off your order at lolavie.com with promo code RAWBEAUTYTALKS. You can only use one promo code per order and discounts can't be combined. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them. Tell them I sent you over. When I was a little girl, 
My mom used to tell me that whenever someone would tell me I was black, I would scream that I was pink instead. For as long as I can remember, I've wanted to be a barista so that I could love strangers without even knowing them for too long. I've hushed the novel streaming from this tongue because I never thought that what I had to say was good enough. I never thought that who I was was good enough. If I were to get a tattoo, I would have them ink out the words worthy on my wrist so that it goes back into my bloodstream because for too long I've been conditioned in thinking that I am defined by what I do and not simply by who I am. I heard someone say once that they don't give power to young people because they don't think that they can handle it, but, but who's to say that I'm not capable of taking this world by its seams and turning it upside down? Who's to say that this body and soul can be contained within logical? You see, I serve a God who does not care much about my logical, my list, and expectations Expectations are no match for his already written plan, your purpose, destined in the fact that you are called, called to teach and to speak, called to orchestrate and to dance, baby, you're so afraid of it all because it doesn't make sense, but I'm sorry, that I'm not sorry, that sometimes the best things in this life just don't make sense, I've always wondered why these restless feet stumbled headfirst into poetry and not medicine, why my life's desire is to leave footprints in word form everywhere that I go, I guess. I was just afraid of the Jeremiah 2911 he's left bumping in this ribcage, afraid of the burning bush that he's placed in this soul. I am an artist, and they will tell me that art will do nothing but keep me distracted, but I'm tired of pretending that every spill of a poem is not a prayer, and that every stage is not a sanctuary. We are artists created to create, and yet our own worst enemy, our deepest fear, is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that frightens us most. We ask ourselves, who am I to be talented, brilliant, fabulous, gorgeous? Actually, who are you not to be? You are a child of God. Your playing small does not serve the world. Marianne Williamson, I know, I know, I know. There are fears tucked in your conscience like little lies that just keep showing up. That game of comparison you play will strip you of the marvel in your own story. There will always be someone who comes along and does something a little bit differently than you. They will laugh with more of a twinkle and walk as if they were floating instead. But baby, you, baby, there will never be another one like you because you were placed on this earth to leak goodness like something crucial and be the most beautifully flawed heaven on earth that there ever was this world is in need of more beautiful now than it ever has so so i guess i'll stop being afraid of how i can contribute i'll pick up my pen so beautiful back into this world every day that i can even yes even if it's the last thing that i do so beautiful so beautiful you mentioned doing the work. And for you, I'm wondering, is that primarily writing and speaking, sharing your art? Or is there other work that you've had to do along the way that might be helpful for our audience to hear about in supporting their own journey to self-love and body positivity? Yeah, I think the writing absolutely had a lot to do with it because my first demographic is women. I knew who I was talking to. I've done mom of preschoolers. I've done women in tech for Google. I've done teenage girls at a camp for a surfer. And so my demographic is is women. And one of the things I found in all of those spaces were that 
no matter what we do or no matter how capable we are, no matter how brilliant we are, or how many degrees we are, there's still this underlining feeling of unworthiness. There's still this underlining feeling of not feeling adequate or enough. I really tried to figure out where it is that come from. It comes from society. It comes from the lies and the doubts of our own head, but then also how do we reclaim those things? It comes from doing the reverse work in our head. And so for me, yeah, writing was a huge part of it. I also attended retreats, like women's retreats. I attended a sacred feminine retreat, which is put on by Lisa Gunger and Hillary McBride. And this was like a really beautiful retreat where it's just a bunch of women. And I'm pretty sure we cried the first two days because we were unleashing so much of the narrative and the lie that our bodies are are not enough. Our bodies are a problem, that our feelings are not enough, that our feelings are a problem. And so I started to immerse myself in spaces where the healing work could happen, where I started to ask myself hard questions. And then also a lot of it came from even like somersault, these campaigns that people were just instantly wanting me to be a part of where they're like, hey, put a swimsuit on your body. And I'm like, what the heck do you want me in a swimsuit for? <laughs> what would that do for anyone? And and so just the sheer act of being asked to continually put myself in spaces that, that usually would make me uncomfortable or usually make me hide instantly became part of the work where I was undoing the lies that I couldn't wear a swimsuit, that I didn't look good in a swimsuit, that a girl with curves and hips and thighs couldn't put a two-piece on and having to rework a lot of those simply by doing it, like by actually doing the opposite of what I thought I couldn't do has helped a whole lot. I do another company that I work with and and they only fly internationally. So they fly me internationally to put on a swimsuit for five days. And, yes. and that, that, yeah, that has been another process where it's just like, okay, you are trusting me to get on a plane, to fly across the country and to wear your product well for five days. And that kind of responsibility being given to you makes you think, well, why not? Why, why am I not enough? You know, why have I been telling myself that enough? Like I am, I am beautiful. I am qualified. I am valuable. And I do have something worth sharing and I do have a story worth sharing and my body is enough. And having all those moments kind of come together as a collective became a part of the process and became part of the work that I, I'm still doing every day. It's still very weird to say that I model swimsuits, but it's also every day. It's like another realization moment. It honestly makes me so, so happy to see these images and women like you being featured. And when I say women like you, what I mean is that it's women who are out there showing up every day connected to their work, their passion, whatever it is. I don't want to say that models aren't real women because models are real women and there's lots of models who are doing great things. But I love that we're seeing companies who are starting to find women whose sole profession maybe isn't modeling and that they're, you know, like nurses and stay-at-home moms and artists and and just real women. Again, I'm not saying models aren't real women. I'm just saying like a more diverse group of women out there, the kind of people that you see at the beach normally. And it's just as a mom of a little girl and a little boy, it's everything I've ever dreamed of seeing 
online and on the covers of magazines. I was grocery shopping yesterday with my two kids doing the, you know, standard Sunday grocery shop. And as we were waiting to pay, I looked over and one of my friends, Sarah Nicole, who's the bird's papaya on Instagram was on the cover of, do you know, Sarah? I know of her. I'm a very big IG fan. One day I hope to meet her. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. You two would hit it off big time. And she's on the cover (laughs) of two magazines right now. And Brooklyn grabbed one of the magazines and we're looking at it. And I'm like, you know, this is just so amazing that this is what they're going to grow up seeing because the images that I grew up seeing really caused a problem, (laughs) really caused a problem (laughs) with my own health and wellness. So um, I love that. Now I want to dive into something that you talked about and that sort of like society's stamp or this image that society has created of what a woman should look like, how a woman should feel, et cetera, et cetera. Because you posted about something on your own Instagram feed recently and I'm dying to talk about it with somebody. So Nike's plus size mannequins. I don't know if everyone knows about this. Nike recently started putting up some plus size plus size again. I don't know why we have to say it that way, but everyone knows what I'm talking about. Curvy mannequins in their stores. And this created a huge conversation, a huge buzz with people who were either loving it or a big group of people saying, are you kidding me, Nike? This isn't a healthy body. Why are we showcasing a body with curves? This isn't somebody who's working out and eating well and taking care of themselves. So let's dive into that conversation for a second (laughs) because I loved what you said. Yeah. So I, I read the article. It's on the uh, telegraph. If you, if you are trying to find it, you could honestly just search Nike curve body or Nike mannequin and you will find all of the, (laughs) all of the articles. We will link to it too. Yeah. We'll link to it in the show notes for sure. Yeah. So of course it was on all of the feeds. And, and so I read the article and I, my first thoughts were like, this is a joke. Like someone's fooling us, (laughs) you know, like we're not that far in society would someone would say something so ignorant and so dismissive to the majority of society right now. And so after reading it, I'm a feeler, which is why I write poetry. And so I usually, I soak in things. When I go to an event, I usually will change my entire set just because I feel like it's not what the audience needs anymore. I will go in and I just sponge things. And so I sponged this article and I responded with these two graphics, I will, if you will, which is a very loose term. I really, I make them on my phone on an app and it's great. But I put um, PSA or public service announcement. um, My body is not a societal hazard. My body is not a societal health hazard. And then I put another one and I said, PSA curve bodies are not societal health hazards. And all the article was saying was that there's no way that this big boned, curvy figured person, not even a person, but mannequin could represent anything healthy. And I've had this conversation and this is a triggering conversation because I am on social media as this body positivity warrior, if you will, and, and, and body positivity awareness person. I do get 
plugged on other pages. And I had one of my swimsuit pictures on another brand's page. And this girl commented and was like, why would you condone unhealthy habits with photos like this? This girl is not healthy. And I jumped in because she doesn't know I work out four to five times a week. She doesn't know I can't eat fast food because I'm allergic to the ingredients in it. So that's not something that's in my diet. I love salads. She doesn't know that I like work out doing yoga and base camp and all these different things. And I'm like, you look at my body. Yeah, I have hips, but that doesn't mean I'm not healthy. And so she went back and forth with me asking me what my BMI was and that I probably oh wasn't as healthy as I think and all these things. And and I eventually just stopped. And then my sisters <laughs> kind of <laughs> jumped into the conversation with her and I just kind of tapped out after that. But having this article say that because this girl has thighs or because this girl has hips, she automatically cannot be healthy was so dismissive, like I said, to not only me, but a lot of women who look like me. And despite what society would like us to believe, 90% of our world are women who have thighs that touch and are women who have hips and are women who are not a size two or size zero. And this whole curve idea is so bizarre because it's just women. Like it's just women. Like there is no definitive plus size and curve. It's like, yeah, there are different sizes of women, but at the end of the day, it's just women. So I posted those pictures and I posted that quote because I think it needs to be known that just because we're not a size zero or a size two, which we learn quickly that that is also not healthy. You know, there's a certain type of, um, not even size because universally, the healthy varies. Like I'm a black woman. I'm an African-American woman. So my bone structure, my very structure of how my body is built is not going to be built like someone else just because of my genetic and, and ethnic background. And so to say that I'm not healthy because I have hips and thighs that touch is the most ignorant thing that I think I'm tired of hearing. And I don't tend to get like angry or like fired up about things. I tend to be pretty neutral with my conversations on social media in terms of politics, in terms of what's happening and and news and things like that. But I was like, this is ridiculous. (laughs) This doesn't make any more sense anymore. And so I put that, you know, PSA, curved bodies are not societal health hazards and, and PSA, my body is not a societal health hazard because it felt so attacking. I felt like she was talking directly to me. And I think a lot of women felt like they were being talked directly to. And that is such a hurtful thing to have to navigate through where you don't know how many times someone works out or how healthy they eat. And if their doctors are not telling them that they are at a risk, then who are you to say that they are a risk to not only to themselves, but to society. Like we are a marker for unhealthiness. And that is just so ridiculous. It's just ridiculous. Yeah. And I do think we still have to keep talking about it because for so many years now, there has been an image of health and it's this thin, fit, 
bouncy, energetic, usually Caucasian girl. And that's just, I mean, we have to start questioning who was it that sold us that image of health and how many of us are doctors and actually able to tell whether or not somebody is healthy just by looking at them. Even things like the BMI are now being questioned as to whether or not they're actually a great source of determining whether somebody's within a healthy body weight. So we really have to stop and think sometimes about who's been selling us these images, where they're coming from, how long we've been seeing them, and whether or not they really make sense anymore. And that process of doing that is what will allow us to soften judgment, to create new belief systems, to see things as they truly are. And we need women like you who are talking about this. It's it's also interesting when I hear this because I am a tall Caucasian small boned woman. And I can say without doubt that I have had many times in my life where I fit into the low end of a healthy BMI, where I would probably be considered looking fit and I'm not working out. I am eating McDonald's. I, (laughs) you know, have severe anxiety where somebody could see a picture of me and think that girl is working out and eating well. Mm -hmm. And that's the exact opposite of where I've been. So pictures and images of somebody do not ever tell the full story. Like right now I can say I'm so focused on my health and wellness because as I've talked a lot about in this podcast, I'm recovering from postpartum anxiety. Mm -hmm. And so my health and wellness is a priority, but like you just can't, you can't tell by looking at somebody whether or not they're healthy. And so we have to stop this. There's one more funny thing about this piece. Um, I can't remember who it was, but they were doing like a play-by-play of this article and people's responses. And then I think they dug into who the author was. And she's like, and in the greatest plot twist of all times, it turns out the author is a curvy woman. Yes, (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Which was, and I still don't know. I'm also so that, and I was like, okay, maybe this is a joke, you know, like maybe people are trying to like make it more than what it is. But that made me more sad, I think, to know that she is a curvy woman. If this person is a curvy woman, I think that made me the most sad because it was like, oh, honey, this is so much of like you feeling like you've been told this for so long And you started to believe it about yourself and now you're putting that on other people. And I think it made me so sad because it's more testament about how she felt about herself and how she sees herself. I think it made me the most sad because I was like, you kidding me? Like (laughs) you're with us and, and yet you're against us all at once. But then also at the same time, you totally miss the work that we are doing. You just like, deconstructed everything. So now it's going to be like, oh, another curvy girl is also saying you guys are healthy, you know, unhealthy. So we're like, cool, cool, cool. You're like, you're backtracking us. Yeah. And the other thing, the other point somebody else made that I thought was just so spot on, if somebody doesn't have the healthiest habits and maybe they've decided that they're going to make some shifts because that's what they will feel good to them and they want to start trying yoga or going to the gym and they get up the courage to put on the workout clothes and to go to that class. But everyone's saying like, this body shouldn't be wearing those clothes and this body shouldn't be doing this and this body's unhealthy. Like... How awful is that? I mean, we just don't ever know where somebody is on the journey or how they're showing up. I mean, it's just a matter, I think, a little bit of figuring out what works for you and doing what's right for you. 
Because then there's the whole conversation of, is it your concern whether or not somebody is healthy or if they eat fast food or if they work out? Why do you get to decide whether that's better or worse? Yeah. Yeah. And I think at the end of the day, it's like, unless you have a degree in something medical, stop talking. Unless you have like been in school for five years to diagnose people, stop talking. That's another thing. It's like none of these people so far that I've seen who are having these conversations are any kind of health professional, which makes me even more frustrated because I'm like, who are you to diagnose? Who are you to judge? And a lot of it, like I said, just stems from people feeling insecure about themselves, which is like the girl who is initially, you know, talking to me on the other Instagram page, she was a a tiny, I think, Swedish girl, which is culturally very different in terms of what we view as healthy and culturally very different in terms of what does it mean to be a certain body type. And I'm like, first of all, I will never be a size anything but a 10, I'm pretty sure, because my bones are not made for that. Like I physically am not built to be that small. Like it would be unhealthy for me to be that small. I have been pretty small and I have looked the most unhealthy I've ever looked in my entire life. And I'm also anemic. So I start to know when those unhealthy moments happen because I have these really awful dark circles under my eye. So I've seen pictures of myself and I'm like, that girl is not alive. That girl is not healthy. That girl is not happy. And so I think we're shifting culture a lot because we're having these conversations. Well, first of all, healthy is not one size anymore. And healthy does not mean skinny anymore. And what does that look like? And we can't jumble what looks varying for individual people. And also in America, I mean, we're all kind of screwed a little bit because our food is awful and mass produced. So we're we're already like kind of at a disadvantage there, but that's a different conversation. But yeah, I think that was the hardest part where it's like, I work out so much. I love working out. I eat really well. I don't like feeling full. I, so it's just like so funny because at the end of the day, you don't know those people's story. You don't know what their day-to-day looks like. And you're making an assumption off their entire life on one photo. And no person should be allowed to do that. Agreed. Case closed. (laughs) I'm going to push pause on our conversation really quickly to tell you about one of my absolute favorite wellness hacks, Sage's Peppermint Halo Headache Remedy. You know when you're sitting at your desk and it's the middle of the afternoon and you start to get that kink in your neck and you're finding it hard to stay focused or it's that time of day when you're trying to get dinner ready and the kids are asking a million questions and the pasta just spilled all over the floor and you're feeling so tense. Peppermint Halo is this pocket-sized essential oil blend that's going to relieve tension, headaches, and it also gives you an amazing burst of energy, which I know we all need. So you're just going to roll it directly on the back of your neck and shoulders, and it's honestly like you've just jumped in some glacier water after having a beautiful full body massage. Okay, maybe it's not as good as a full body massage, but it's pretty darn close considering it takes less than five seconds to use it. Sage is offering 20% off of all their products at www.sage.com. That's S-A-J-E.com using the code RAWBEAUTY20. 
They've got natural essential oil remedies, diffusers, I know you've seen some of them in my home, and so many beautiful wellness products. So head on over there right now or click the link in our show notes and don't forget to use the code RAWBEAUTY20 for 20% off. All right, let's get back to Ariel. One thing I think, though, that's sometimes great is when people do comment on social media or on an article like this, it really does give an opportunity to have a conversation about it. Like if, if nobody shared their opinions, we wouldn't have a conversation about it. And I think that that conversation at the end of the day is where change begins. It's two people with varying opinions and views that get to talk and share and understand one another. And that's where the change occurs. So I always find that when I see those comments, which I can get even frustrated with, even though it's not, it's not me or my body, I can feel triggered by them. I always just remember this is a gift. This is the invitation to have the conversation like we're having right now, the conversation that will increase the understanding and openness and that ultimately allows us to connect together, which is what it's all about when we talk about feminism and women supporting women. We have to have these conversations, right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So I want to finish this off by reading one more thing that you posted on social media recently that I loved. Mm -hmm. And it was around self-love and body positivity and getting comfortable in your own skin. And you were talking about how you're getting comfortable talking about this stuff on your Instagram page and showcasing your body often with beautiful photos that awesome photographers have taken Mm -hmm. and your hair is done and you're smiling. And you said, but here's where work gets real. It gets real when it's uncomfortable. Yes, I'm learning to love these curves and hips more, but I'm also learning to love the natural state of my face and my hair. I'm learning to love myself when the camera is off, when the post isn't scheduled, when the stage lights dim and the hair does whatever it wants. Body positivity and self-love is loving ourselves with the lights on. It's loving ourselves when there's no applause and the hair is natural and wild and beautiful. And you post it with the most amazing photo where you just are like radiating beauty and love and energy. And I'm like, I just want to be in her bedroom with her, like (laughs) hanging out and having girl time. So yeah, I love this because I do feel like there's so much pressure from social media to show up even when you're in the body positivity, self-love world. And so what are some ways that people can practice self-love and body positivity when the lights are on, but the camera is off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think this is something in terms of what I was talking about, it being the work. We're not really doing the work if it's only publicized, right? We're not really doing the fullness of the work of loving ourselves, the work of valuing ourselves, if it only happens when other people are watching. And so I've really tried to challenge myself to have those really sweet moments with loving my body, with showing up for my natural state, when no one is around, <laughs> not my boyfriend, not Instagram, not a camera or anything. And so uh, one of the ways that that looks like is because I'm such a doer, because I'm such a let's go, go, go and do, 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 I give myself permission to have days where I don't talk to anyone. I don't go anywhere. I don't do anything but clean my room 
but vacuum my house, but light a candle, but sleep in, but maybe go to a yoga class. And those are really simple and sweet moments that I show up for myself, that I love myself when I'm not documenting it, when I'm not photographing it, when I do not wear makeup all day long and it's the best thing ever, where I end the day doing a face mask, drinking wine, and watching Jane the Virgin. I think those are the moments that I don't always post. And they're they're always the most restful and the most sweet moments. And so I think right now, because self-love and soul care is such a hype right now, and it's so publicized, we forget what it looks like in the moments of just everyday life, you know? And we don't have to talk about how great our soul care was that day, or how great our self-love was that day. Like, just do it. (laughs) I think when we exercise it as a practice that is integrated in every single day, that's where it really starts to do the work. And so I have specific wash days because of how thick and how intense my hair can be, where if I am am having a wash day, I'm not going anywhere and I'm not doing anything. I'm deep conditioning. I'm sitting on my couch. I'm living my best life. Ariana Grande is playing in the background and that is (laughs) all that is happening. And my boyfriend is not here. I am not with him. I'm like, nope, sorry, can't. It's wash day. That's where the lights are on. The day is happening, but it's not being publicized. And and so I think those little moments are, are so necessary to the work that I get to do and to the process that I get to have with myself. And so I think I would urge women, it's just like, find the simple thing, find the little thing, whether that's a 10 minute face mask at night, whether that's watching a show really quick for just one day out of your week or whatever it may be, just like find the little thing. And I think it helps us add to the work that we do when people are there. When I can come up with a caption, it's because I've already lived it. It's because I've already worked through it. It's because I've already processed through it. And so I try to make sure that even though my posts could be scheduled or my my photos are planned out, that my caption is me in real time. So you will always make sure that that caption will be me in that moment, not in the moment I took the photo necessarily, but me in that actual moment of posting. And so I try to be intentional and bridge that in that way. But a lot of it looks like the lights are going to be on. They may not be glaring. They may not have a spotlight and your intro music may not play and there may not be no one in the audience. And then how do you show up for yourself in those moments? I hope you are just as sweet and just as gentle and just as honest as you would be when the lights are on and when there are people in the audience. I can't think of a better place or message to leave this audience with other than that beautiful thing. I want everyone who's listening right now to open up their calendar and schedule in their own wash day. I don't care what your hair looks like. (laughs) Schedule in your wash day to nurture yourself, your heart, your home. Ariel, thank you so much for being here today. It was such a pleasure to talk to you. And thank you so much for sharing that beautiful piece at the beginning of this episode. Don't forget to click on the show notes. You can get her whole EP, all of her poetry through the links that we'll provide 
This is the kind of stuff that we should all be listening to. Yay. That's it for this episode. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss a single show. If you like this episode, take a moment to leave a review, take a screenshot and share it on social tagging at Raw Beauty Talks. We'll be regramming your posts every week. And as we wrap things up, of course, please remember your body, your life is different than any other body out there. So as you listen to these episodes, keep tuning back into yourself to see what resonates. Do you ever feel like you're struggling through motherhood? You're not alone. I'm Erica Jossa, host of the MomWell podcast, therapist and mom of three. Join me each Wednesday as I sit down with guests, including psychologists, pediatricians, psychiatrists, fertility specialists, lactation consultants, and more to unravel the myths of motherhood. With expert advice, practical tips, self-love, and some coping skills to help you along the way, you can become the mother you want to be. Listen to the MomWell podcast at momwell.com listen or on your favorite podcast platform.